Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another episode of the Destination Debbie College Football Podcast. I am your host, Paul. You can find me on Twitter at Gump7285. Joined by my co-host, as always, Derek. You can find him on Twitter at D underscore Cook93. We got a pretty jam-packed episode for you. A few bowl game recaps, some Debbie analysis, a couple transfer portal updates as well as our 2025 early rankings for receivers and tight ends. And then a look ahead to the big New Year's Day games at college football semifinals. So we'll go ahead and hop right into it. First game we have up is Louisville versus USC. This one was a damn good game to watch. Paying attention to solely Debbie prospects, quarterback Miller Moss. He looked very impressive to me. Put up six touchdowns. And I know, I know, it's Louisville, but six touchdowns is still six touchdowns. 23-33 and 372. He looks stellar to me. Maybe Will Howard is going to get a little bit skittish about going to SC now. He's been there for three years. He, Yeah, three years, two with Lincoln Riley, so he knows this offense now. He might just be a one-for-one plate replacement for Caleb Williams at this point. I think he might be reaching a little bit there on that one, but as a backup quarterback, he looked looked phenomenal. I mean, I know as a Ohio State Buckeye fan, I'd have been damn happy if he was on my uh or in my backfield. Um, like you said, it looked great, man. Didn't didn't look like he missed the beat. Probably threw less interceptions than Caleb Williams was against this LSU def- or this Louisville defense. I mean, USC was seven and five heading into this game. What were they? Ten and three last year. It's not like Caleb Williams put up a very, very good record while at SC. So outside of, you know, stats and Heisman, he wasn't really a big winner for SC, especially this season, falling 7-5. and five. I don't know, man. It might just be worth it to roll with a guy that already knows your offense as opposed to a one-year rental from Kansas State. I mean, he ran the RPOs really good. Really, the only complaint I had about him was his throws around the line of scrimmage were fairly inaccurate, we're off at times, and, you know, that's a big part of SC's offense are the screens, the short throws. The slants, the ends, outs. Yeah, but he can push the ball downfield. He's got really good touch on the ball and a strong arm. Zach Ryan Branch, man, I was hoping for 
a Marvin Harrison Jr.-esque type of bowl game out of him, a little bit of a coming-out party, but that did not happen at all. He just couldn't find any space on offense when he did get the ball. He looked good in the return game, as usual, but he just couldn't do anything on offense with the ball in his hands. He did drop a touchdown pass that he probably should have caught, but outside of that, it was just uh, not a good game for him. Still high on Zachariah Branch, though? Absolutely. I just don't I don't know if they're going to be able to use him to the best of his abilities going forward. Kind of going to get lost in the sauce, for lack of better words. Not, it's not be a I mean, focal point of the offense necessarily. Yeah, unfortunately, Makai Lemon, another true freshman for them, he looked really good. A better route runner than I anticipated. He's very, very fast, has great yak ability. He might be ahead of Zachariah Branch in the pecking order next year. Very well could be. Deuce Robinson is now a full-time wide receiver. I don't know. They're both deep threats. Zachariah Branch could be, but they don't use him in that sense. They use him around the line of scrimmage pretty much all the time. Yeah, which uh, kind of leading back to what you said is not using him to his full ability, you know, like you realize me and you obviously think the Zachary branch has a ceiling as high as anybody in college football. And if he's limited to those short to intermediate passes only, I mean, that takes, takes a lot away from his game overall. Um, I'm with you on, on lemon. He had two catches, one for 40, one for 35. I mean, the kid's a freaking beast. And I tend to agree with you just looking at this game. He might be ahead of Zachariah branch next year. Um, and not really a whole lot to say off of what you said. You know, Branch looked good in the return game, but non-existent for the most part on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Deuce Robinson's, I think, is a big one, though. I, I love me some Deuce. Yeah, he did drop an easy one, but he did have the long 44-yarder, I think, for a touchdown. I can't wait to see how he progresses because he did come in as a tight end, and they quickly converted him to wide receiver. So it'll be fun to watch how he develops at that position over the offseason. And then for the Louisville side, it's Louisville. Nothing to really talk about as far as Debbie on that side. So we'll go ahead and move on to Texas A&M and Oklahoma State. Ollie Gordon did what he's done all year, 100-plus yards, reached the end zone. Oklahoma State walked away with this one, 31-23. And same thing with Zachary Branch. As for Ruben Owens, I was hoping he would have a pretty big game. He did not. He only had seven for 26 on the ground. So that that stunk. I was really, really hoping to see something out of him. He did have a 100-yard game during the season. But with this being the bowl game, a lot of missing players, opt-outs, such as that, I was really hoping these freshmen would shine a little bit brighter in these first couple of games. Yeah, since they get a you know heightened opportunity. If we do like to see some of these younger Debbie guys, you know, kind of blow up. That's when we see them blow up is in these bowl games, kind of come out of nowhere or finally get some love. I'm, I'm with you uh, as highly touted as Owens was. I, I'm still a fan of him, but uh, for the most part, by and large, this season didn't have a great year. Uh, Hopefully again, like he'll have said, a bigger I'm, role next year. I think he has to, you know, and then obviously we're Jimbo Fisher haters and with him being gone, I think that just leads the way for, you know, past success for a lot of these guys. You know, Evan Stewart's gone also, so somebody's going to have to step up on that side. But um, getting back to Ollie Gordon, I mean, like you said, washer and repeat, 100-plus yards, touchdown on the ground. I mean, the kid's a beast. That he is. 
I know a lot of people in the Debbie world aren't too big on him, but I love Ollie Gordon. I think he's going to be a good NFL back if things continue to pan out in his college career like they had this season. He still has another good season next year. I mean, we're both high on him. He's both them. He's in both of our top five, twenty-five running back class. So and we'll move on to the battle of the states: NC State and Kansas State. On the NC State side, Kevin Concepcion did what he's done week in, week out, 70-plus yards, 70 receptions, filled in at running back, three carries for 23 yards. Unfortunately, did not reach the end zone, but he was heavily involved with 10 overall touches and over, what is it, 95 scrimmage yards. So all in all, a very solid day for him. And the crown jewel of this game that I was – Pretty much solely watching it for Avery Johnson, true freshman for Kansas State, getting his first start of the year. And, man, was I impressed with him. I loved him before this game, and I'm even higher on him now. Just getting to see him for a full game, deal with it from start to finish. Everyone knows he's an excellent athlete. He's a true dual threat. He can run around, make plays, do a lot with his legs on the ground. But he looked really comfortable in the pocket. He seemed like he knew where the pressure was coming from on almost every play. He could feel the pressure. He really extends each and every play to its fullest without making a mistake for the most part. A few plays he ran to the sideline and just stood there until a defender got close and then chucked it out of bounds and no one was there. Yeah, you he can just, tell that he was he was coached up and prepared for this game really well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thankfully, with Will Howard leaving fairly early on in the draft, practice season Avery Johnson got lots and lots of reps to get him ready for this one I love him man he's probably a top 5 26 quarterback for me at this point he has a big arm so you're gonna likely see a lot of overthrows for him next year until he can rein that in and do better with his accuracy but he just has things you can't teach the athleticism feeling the pressure he's gonna be good for Kansas State man I am extremely excited for their future yeah, it seems like Kansas State gets lucky once every six or seven years with a really good quarterback. Um, you know, like you said, it seems like the NFL is leading that way of of rushing ability with huge arms. So he's gonna he fits right into that code for what the NFL is looking for. Um, you know, next year, I mean, I hope he builds off the top of this game, gets his completion percentage a little bit up. But if he continues to do what he did against NC State, you know, touchdowns, not turning the ball over, and still being a threat on the ground, he's gonna be a problem. Yeah, and the really nice thing about this game, for him at least, is I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I don't have it pulled up now. But another true freshman wide receiver was pretty much his main guy for the game. So a lot of reps with him throughout the season as well as in the bowl game. So he does have a weapon coming into next year that he's going to be very, very familiar with. And now on to another highly anticipated game for us, Arizona and Oklahoma. Pretty good plethora of Debbie prospects in this one. Jonah Coleman, possibly a 24 running back, most likely 25. Didn't have the biggest game, 20 yards on the ground. But the stars of the show for Arizona were quarterback Noah Fafita. He looked excellent, chucking it around, getting it to Ted Aurora McMillan and Jacob Cowling. Now, Jacob Cowling is, I think he's a fourth, maybe a fifth-year guy. So he will be in 25 or 24 for this upcoming draft, 
And I think he's going to be a sneaky name to keep your eye on. We've heard about him for a couple years at a lower level school, transferring up to Oklahoma, and he's played very well over the last year or so. He's going to be someone we look up on during the NFL draft. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that name. Completely forgot about him. He's a special teams player as well, so I think he's going to find a spot on an NFL roster, and we're all going to be kicking ourselves for not getting a few shares of him. Yeah, and he's been a hot name over the last several weeks. Um, you know, finally kind of putting it together on the stat sheet, putting in putting in good work, getting getting recognized. Um, he said Fafita had a big game of his 354 passing yards, 312 of them went to those two guys you mentioned. I mean, they were just doing the damn thing the whole game, man. 160 for Terrell McMillan and 152 for Jacob Cowing with two touchdowns. I mean, he's hot at the right time. And spoiler. Tedderoa McMillan is my 2025 wide receiver one at this point in time. He's just a beast, man. He's six foot four, 200 plus pounds. He just glides out there like a gazelle. It looks effortless. He can get you the yak yards that you're looking for in fantasy. And he just creates a lot of separation on almost every play, it seems like, whether it's man or zone. Especially for his zone, he just dominates. He always finds that soft area. He gets there quick, makes himself available. Gorse being six foot four, he has a large catch radius, so that always helps. But I'm absolutely in love with him as a prospect. He's in my top five, but I won't tell you until later where he's at. But I'm, I agree with everything you said about him. You know, six four, six five, big catch radius, and just does everything at an extremely high level. And then on to the star of the game that we were hoping for, Jackson Arnold, true freshman quarterback at Oklahoma. Man, is he a gunslinger. He he can probably make about every throw in the book, and he knows it, and he's not afraid to let it rip. His game was like a tornado all over the place, up and down. He had a pick early in the game. He had a pick late in the game, as well as the end of the third quarter. But the second quarter, he really figured it out and got things together. He's a true dual threat. He's not afraid to run, put his head down. He is going to be very, very good. if. He can avoid the Spencer Rattler-itis, just making dumb decisions and turnovers. Yeah, I feel like that's the the one big knock on about any guy we call a true gunslinger is they feel like they can make any throw, and sometimes they pay for it. You know, they make decisions that you would hope they don't make. Like you said, three interceptions. I mean, he, he still he got the yards and did pretty much everything else well. It's just I feel like his biggest knock is going to be that decision-making until he realizes, hey, I need to be smart about this and make – take what the defense gives me instead of trying to force the ball somewhere. I mean, granted, one of them was not his fault, but the other two definitely were. You know, he had the one early in the first. He threw a pick six, like the second to last play of the fourth quarter, then he th- or third quarter. Then he threw another pick to start the fourth. So that allowed Arizona to get back in the game, and they ended up winning this one 38-24. So a big bowl victory for Arizona, building on that next year. Jed Fish has got something special building out there. I believe they're going to the Big 12 next year, and they just might be one of the top three favorites I have to win that conference. I would I would agree with you. I mean, if they're move, going to the Big 12 and with the Big 12 is losing next year, I, I could see it, absolutely. I think top three is easy. We'll move on to Clemson and Kentucky. This was a pretty good game that I was not expecting. Clemson came back late to seal the deal, 38-35. to 35. Kate Klubnik 
typical game we're used to seeing from him. 264 pass yards a pick, 40-plus attempts. He didn't – I mean, he had 15 carries, but with the sacks, he netted negative yardage, unfortunately. But Phil Maffa, four touchdowns on the ground, four, including the game winner. He had himself a day. And yeah, I mean, you run the ball 11 times, you get four touchdowns. Every three times you touch the ball, you get a touchdown. I mean, that that's a fucking day, man. I mean, that's – he had a day. Absolutely crazy. And then Will Shipley, he got injured at one point. I'm not sure the severity or anything like that at this moment. But he didn't look like the normal Will Shipley, 11 for 29 before he exited the game on the ground, 2 for 9 receiving. So it was the film office show. Antonio Williams made his return, only four catches for 16 yards. So Clemson's offense was not impressive outside of Phil Moffa. It's amazing they put up 38 points. Yeah, I'm surprised, especially with uh, Klubnik not getting three or four passing touchdowns. Uh, Moffa just found his way to the end zone and willed this team to a victory. Um, outside of him, the bright spot was Jake Bringenstool, you know, the leading target getter, leading receptions and yards, 10 targets, nine catches for 91. I mean, that's – between those two, that's their pretty much their offense. Yeah, pretty much. He had a few pretty good catches. He looked good on the day. Finally breaking out his third year, I believe. Finally getting some name recognition on him and people noticing. But Moffa's counterpart on the other side of the ball, Kentucky, Ray Davis, already declared for the draft. And forget the exact quote, but basically he said there's no way he could turn down playing one last game with his team and the college atmosphere, especially in a bowl game. And he had a pretty good day. Not the usual Ray Davis stat line, but 63 and a touchdown on the ground and four catches for a whopping six yards receiving. But he played a very good role, set the tone on offense. And the real star of the show, Barry and Brown. Holy moly, the hat trick for touchdowns, rushing, receiving, and returning. 100 yards receiving, 26 on the ground, and then another 100 on a kick return. He put on a damn show, man. Extremely impressive. Speed absolutely still kills, and he has a lot of speed. He is going to be fun to watch next year. There's been rumblings. He could hit the transfer portal. Who knows? He still has time. He put a lot of good stuff on tape in this game. So who knows if he stays in Kentucky or not, but wherever he goes, I'm extremely excited for him. Ah, Pierce Derrick is experiencing some technical difficulties on the other end. Absolutely. I got in trouble for what I've been saying. I got smack on the wrist. They banned me for five seconds. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where you where you ended off with Baron Browning, but, you know, the guy scored 28, sorry, 18 points in the bowl game. Uh, I mean, just a fantastic overall game from him, like you said, rushing touchdown, receiving touchdown, punt return, or kick return touchdown. I mean, just a hell of a game. By far his best game this year. He did have 104 receiving yards early in the year, but this takes the cake. No better way for him to end the season and building up a lot of steam heading into next year. And I'll let you take this one away. Your boys, the Ohio State Buckeyes against the Missouri Tigers. Whoa, what a ball game, buddy. I feel like my internet's about to go out again. Hold on. Uh, uh, um, No, man, this this was an ugly game, you know, start to finish. Uh, we we know Kyle McCord, you know, obviously decided to transfer Syracuse. Best of luck to him. 
I, I was hoping for some some better things this game, my brother. Um, you and I have been decent Devin Brown fans, I'd say. Kind of wanted him to be the starter over McCord at the beginning of the season. Um, unfortunately, got hurt in the first quarter. I don't know exactly the full extent, but he hurt his, an- his left ankle and the way he was hobbling. I knew when it happened he wasn't coming back. And uh, Lincoln Kineholes, who I, you know, I also love him as well. True freshman coming in. He obviously didn't get the work that Devin Brown did leading up to this game. I mean, our, our offense just sputtered the whole game, to be completely honest. I don't know what we ended with, but we we led the game three to zero at halftime. So, you know, we, we lost 14 to three. Really, there was no bright spot for Ohio State on the offensive side, in my opinion. Uh, besides maybe Travion Henderson, uh, Mekibuka made some some good plays when he was actually able to get the ball thrown to him decently. You know, um, Carno Tate, I think I had a couple catches or one catch. Xavier Johnson did okay. I mean, not a Debbie guy, but the, the offense by and large was was not good. Uh, to me, the the big difference in this game was um, Missouri's quarterback Cook was able to run the ball. He just, it seemed like any time they needed a play to happen, he just gouged us for 15 yards on the ground. And then Cody Schrader, you know, finished eighth in the Heisman voting this year. That kid is a beast, man. I feel like he was a problem from the first quarter, I mean, all the way through the game. And it finally, you know, like midway through the third, he finally wore us out and couldn't stop him anymore. I mean, I don't know what he finished with, but I know it was, I know it was over 110 yards on the ground, but, but just the rushing ability of, was it Brady Cook, Brandon, whatever his name is, and, yeah, and Cody Schrader. I mean, they they just wore us out, man. I mean, passing wise, Cook only had 128 and really didn't do much until that 50 yard bomb in the fourth quarter. I mean, it just it was an ugly game. I had me contemplating tweeting that it's hard to be an Ohio State fan anymore. I almost man, I almost it's tough losing two games a year, right? I get it. I get it. I, I will say though, I. Kind of anticipated us losing this game. You know, Marvin Harrison sitting out and then losing our starting quarterback. I figured it would be a it would be a battle, um, but I did anticipate us only scoring three points. If Ohio, if our defense holds a team to 14 points, we should be able to win the damn game. You know, so it, it is a little bit disheartening. Yeah, Missouri ran the ball 53 times. Yeah. That is absolutely nuts. Luther Burden didn't really show up. He had the touchdown. To that seal was, the deal in the fourth quarter, and then yeah, that was good old LeBron celebration against his Buckeyes. I love that part of it. Absolutely loved it. He must have been dinged up or something. The announcers were talking about he was basically a decoy all game, and it worked. He was lined up in the backfield and then flexed out, motion across the formation a lot of the times, and it definitely opened up some running holes for Cody Schrader. He did finish with 128 on the ground, three more yards than his. Nation leading average of 125 a game. Like you said, he really didn't get going until the mid third into the fourth quarter, but it was steady Eddie. Yeah. You know, three, four yards of carry in the first half. It he just didn't hit that big one. But I mean he, he averaged did, he averaged really, four and a half yards of carry. He didn't he really didn't get going until third quarter. But he, yeah, like you said, steady Eddie. I mean, he ran the ball what 30 times. Yeah, just, 29 they, they along of only eleven. They just stuck to it, man. They, they wore us out. And I, I don't. Buka, he had five catches in the first quarter, then had one the rest of the game. All those five catches, I think, came from Devin Brown, to be honest. Yeah, I think three or four did at least. But I mean, 
when Kineholds got in, Ryan Day just said, no, no, we're not going to throw the ball. We're going to run it, run it, run it, and run it some more. Travion had 19 carries, but only 72 yards. So he he had a couple of decent runs. He had a long of 20. I think he had one or two of 10 or more as well. But he was bottled up for the most part. Xavier Johnson really got things rolling, opened up some holes. We talked about him preseason that he could be a big playmaker on this offense. It, unfortunately, he was not until this game when he finally got involved. Yeah. I've Lincoln just, Kineholds, what did you think of him when he did get to let it rip? Honestly, I, I liked some of, um, like, kind of like we mentioned earlier, like when he was able to actually, you know, throw the ball, throw it, you know, more than 10 yards down the field, he, he made some some decent throws. Uh, for a true freshman, I, I thought they were okay, but um, this offensive line just did not block for crap this game. I don't know what the deal – I know that um, – our right guard ended up playing center for us this game. So I don't know what the whole reasoning for that was. I didn't catch that, but it was like, anytime he was under duress, he, I mean, I know he threw the ball away a ton and he made some really bad off platform off the back foot throws as well while having the defense rushing down his face. But um, I like, I still like kind holes, man. He's, he is more athletic than I thought he was. Um, I know that he was a two-star athlete or a two-sport athlete coming out of high school. Um, I've seen his his hooping mixtape, and the guy can windmill dunk. So, kudos to to him to be able to do that. Um, but he's I I like him. I do. I just he was not ready. Absolutely not ready. You you could tell that he did not get the reps that he needed. to even no way in heck did they think that he was going to play this game. He didn't get the reps. He wasn't ready. No, you, 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 you can tell that by the play. Call. You can tell that by the play calling. Yeah, you can, yeah you the play can tell calling that is absolutely. We're gonna try to control the line of scrimmage, bleed the clock, and get out of here with a ten to three victory with whatever we can put up. And even day at halftime when they pulled him to the side, he said more than once he's a true freshman. He's really never played before. Basically, his first game playing, you could tell right then and there that he was not. He was not comfortable with rolling him out there whatsoever, and the play calling definitely followed suit on that. Yeah. But, I mean, it's hard to win. I, I mean, I, there's not a whole lot more to go over this game, but you could tell, again, play calling that, like, on first and second down, we're obviously going to run the ball. They'd put eight in the box, man-to-man on the outside. Because regardless if the wide receivers get open and beat man-to-man, they still got to put the ball where it needs to go. Kindholz couldn't do that, you know, so – on obvious passing downs, it was easy to lock him up. I mean, it was just it, – it's easy to game plan against that. So, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not – Neither offensive line even bothered to show up to the game. No. Both defensive lines were in the backfield early, often, almost every play, hitting the quarterback. I think you guys set your season we, high for sacks in like the first half. Yeah, we had 22 sacks all season. We sacked Cook six times this game, and I think we had four in the first half. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not mad at our defense by any means. It's our offense can do nothing, but it's it's injuries, man. Stuff happens. It it sucks. But when you're you got an inexperienced quarterback in there and you're going to run the ball 85 percent of the time, it's easy to you become one dimensional. It's easy to stop. If your passing game is not a threat, you don't have to worry about it. Absolutely, and we'll move on to another SEC Big Ten matchup. Ole Miss, Penn State, 
Ole Miss took this one 38 to 25 to much surprise of most of the betting community. I know I laid down a few last minute bets on this one. All Ole Miss covering the spread, money line. So I was very happy they made me a little bit of change today. And early in the game, it wasn't looking so good. The first, probably first half of the first quarter, Jackson Dart got dinged up on the very first play from scrimmage for him. Nicholas Singleton looked like he couldn't be tackled on the very first drive. And then Katron Allen looked pretty good. But the, it pretty much stopped there. They both had 10 carries for Katron for 51, 8 for 50 for Singleton. I mean, Singleton busted out in the passing game with 4 for 86 and a touchdown. The ground game was working. That offensive line was bullying Ole Miss, opened up easy, easy holes for the running backs, and then it, it just stopped. Unfortunately, Drew Aller, 19 of 39 for 295, two touchdowns. He did throw an interception, only his second in 13 games. Extremely impressive, even if you don't like Drew Aller. He threw two picks all year. Yeah, You can't knock him for that. So Penn State, they... They James Franklin themselves. No, the run game was working. Then they went away from it, put it on Drew Aller, and they just, quite frankly, don't have the weapons on the outside to get her done that way. No, I mean, you, James Franklin, man. We, we are some James Franklin haters here, and I'm staying on that hill for the rest of my life. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. If you're running the ball and controlling the game and offensive line's getting it done, why would you abandon it? You know, I mean, I, I know you look at what uh, Drew Aller did. I mean, he didn't have a bad game, you know, almost 300 yards, two touchdowns and only one pick. And then, you know, add another 40 on the ground. But I mean, you, you've got, like you said, those two running backs and they combined for 18 carries. Come on, man. That, that's that's not acceptable. Especially when you look to the leader of the 2025 class on the other side of the ball. He had 34 carries. That's right. how you stick to the run. He only had 106 yards, averaging three yards a clip. But Lane Kiffin said, nope, this is how we're going to win the game. We're going to keep that as a threat. And it worked, and he made a couple impressive plays, man. He made one defender miss right after a line of scrimmage. He could have made that play in a phone booth and then rumbled for a few other yards. So Quinshawn had a good day. I mean, 100 yards, got to tote the rock 34 times, and he had 14 receiving for a touchdown. Good game I mean, for it, him overall, better than Katron and Singleton, that's for damn sure. I mean, but if you add the numbers together for Singleton and, and Katron, they had 101 compared to 104 on, on half the carries, on 18 carries compared to 34. I mean, they abandoned the run game and they shouldn't have. I mean, this is just terrible play calling. You know, like you said, Judkins and, and Ole Miss, they just stuck to it. They wore you down, wore you out, and it finally paid way for them. You know, Jackson Dart had a good game too, slinging it around the yard, 25 of 40 for 379 and three. So Ole Miss is, they're going to be in the college football playoff. I'll say it now. They're going to be one of my 12 teams in. Oh, right now, they, I mean, Dart's back. Judkins is back. They have the number one transfer recruiting class. I don't know the technical term, but they have the best transfers coming in. And they also have the number five recruiting class from high school. I mean, they have Walter Nolan, big defensive tackle, is going to help that defense tremendously, former number one recruit. Uh, they have Antoine Juice-Wells from South Carolina, wide receiver. He's going to help that offense out tremendously and give Jackson Dart a reliable, consistent weapon. And then Judkins, 
nothing else needs to be said about him. He's going to end his career with, you know, 35 to almost 4,000 rushing yards through three years, most likely. Yeah, so this I mean, team is going to be – they were one to watch this year. Not a lot of people paid attention. I sure hope you pay attention next year because they are going to be contending for the SEC, and they, I believe they will be in the playoff. They're going to be right up there. I mean, obviously you got Georgia and Alabama right there ahead of them probably, but <clears throat> they'll be in the mix absolutely. Uh, Quinshawn Jenkins, we love that guy. I'm, I know he's my 25 RB1. Pretty sure he's yours as well. I don't think that's even a question. Um He's a monster, man. You know, you get 35 carries, you're going to have a game. <laughs> Penn State just couldn't do it. Uh, Jackson Dart, I feel like he is severely underappreciated. Um, I feel a Bo Nix-esque season coming from him next year, along with this whole Ole Miss team. Yeah, the stars are definitely lining for Dart to have a huge senior season. And you brought up Georgia. Not much to talk about them today. They just shellacked Florida State 63-3. to but I mean, Florida we saw State this coming. Twenty plus opt outs, injuries. Uh, they started Brock Glenn again, I believe. Tate Rotomaker hit the transfer portal. Didn't have any of their usual running backs. None of their usual receivers. No Jared Verse. One of their linebackers slash safety already went to Colorado. You saw it coming, like you said. There was no chance in hell they were going to compete at all, and Georgia was up what, 35 to three at halftime, I think. And they just, Kirby Smart kept that foot on the pedal, baby. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. No Brock Bowers. Lad McConkey did play. He didn't do much. A catch for 22 and a carry for 27 and a touchdown. Oscar Delp, unfortunately, very disappointing. The opportunities he should be given, he really hasn't. He hasn't been used like a Brock Bowers for whatever reason. It's unknown. I think he's very capable, very athletic, a great receiver. Hopefully we'll see more of him next year as a vocal point in this offense, but today wasn't it. Carson Beck, light day, 13 of 18 for 203 and two touchdowns. Gunnar Stockton got some run, 96 and two. They used, let's see, three, one, two, four, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 11 different ball carriers. Yeah. And Kendall Absolutely Milton was nuts. Fun. Kendall Milton was the prime benefactor of that. But, I mean, this this to me had the writing on the wall when we saw 20 guys were not playing for Florida State. I don't know. I haven't kept up with it. Do you think this was a big F you from Florida State to college football? I think part of it, absolutely. You're going to tell us we're not good enough to be in the games that matter. We're not showing up for the games that don't. Right. We're not going to play. I was hoping I to see some – uh, Samuel Singleton, freshman running back, as well as the freshman wide receivers, Destin Hill and Hakeem Williams. They weren't featured as much. Surprised me a little bit because we've seen Hill and Williams sparingly throughout the year. So I was hoping they would be in for a lot of playing time, but they weren't. But, yeah, I mean, not much else to talk about this. Kirby Smart and Georgia showed up and did what they were supposed to do today. And then Florida State stayed in Florida. Yeah, lucky for them. They don't have uh, much of a trip back home to Tallahassee. That's right. Yeah, Those I mean, are... I, I I didn't even want to watch this game. 63-3, to three, I mean, it. I this was riding on the wall, man. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunate for Florida State. They have that awesome undefeated year, and this is how it ends. But, hey, 
Sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles. They'll be Move happy on. next year, maybe. Maybe and then they have a better shot, depending on if they stay in the ACC or not. True. Let's move on to just a couple transfer portal updates. Trevor Etienne, sophomore running back, or 2025 eligible running back, transfers from Florida to Georgia, giving them a big weapon in the backfield next year. And then a name probably nobody listening has heard of, Cameron Brown, true freshman from good old Division II West Georgia, is transferring up to Texas Tech. Six foot three, 225 pound dual threat quarterback. Conference freshman of the year, three-time freshman player of the week. If you play C2C, he's someone to keep your eye on, especially in that Texas Tech offense. He's got a big arm. He's a big guy. He can run. Might might be someone you want to pick up in your supplemental drafts later. There's a reason he's transferring from D2 to D1, or even D2 to Power 5. Obviously, Texas Tech believes in the kid, or they wouldn't have offered him. So that's going to be something to keep a lookout for for C2C. And then former Debbie Darling, Michael Trigg of USC and Ole Miss, the tight end, has entered the portal once again. You can probably cut him on all your Debbie rosters. I don't think he's going to be anything. He's had his opportunity plenty and has done nothing with it. Yeah, might be worth C2C, but Debbie, yeah, he's to me, he's nothing. And then Will Howard. I know a lot of us expected him to commit to SC – a week or so ago, but supposedly he's still considering SC, the Ohio State Buckeyes, and the NFL. I mean, I don't see him going to the NFL. With the way Miller Moss played, he might not be going to SC, so you, you, my friend, might be getting yourself a great quarterback from the transfer portal, finally. Nope, After I want... the performance of Brown and Kineholds. I want Air Noland. That's all I want. That's all we need. We saw how Ryan Day Day felt about putting a true freshman out there. Well, good thing is Lincoln Kinehouse won't be a true freshman next year. He won't be. He might not even be at Ohio State. Who knows? Uh, To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised. We've we've had these QB problems in the past where we're like, who's going to be the guy and who's going to be the backup? Um, And who's going to transfer? I still like Devin Brown, man. I know there's no sense in even diving into it, but I feel like he's going to get the short end of the stick because he didn't produce in the eight minutes of playing time he did get. Well, that's plenty of time, man. What are you talking about? He threw the ball six times. Are we talking about Trey Lance again? Ah, man. He he wishes he could have a, a career like Trey Lance. I, was talking I about wish that. I could have a career like Trey Lance. In the NFL? Yeah. Third, third year in the league, you finally get the start and you get hurt in the second game of the season? Well, guess what? He got all that guaranteed money, so he's good. He's set for life. Well, I mean, you're not wrong about that. Guaranteed money is guaranteed money. I'd take that, too. If, if you're telling me I could be in the league for four years and only play a game and a half and get millions guaranteed, I'd take it. Yeah, you're not wrong. And then good old Evan Stewart still has not found a home. Uh, reports and rumors are he's not looking at the big boys like Texas, Bama. He's looking at... Technically, like a tier down, a couple tiers down, like Ole Miss, Oregon, Florida State types of schools. But also out there in the rumor mill, he's a little bit of a diva. So some of the bigger schools don't think he's worth the hassle. Of course, they have the NIL money to throw at him, but it seems like it's more so not necessarily his choice to go to a lesser school. It's 
his attitude and some other things surrounding him. Ah, so, so it's be, not the talent. It's the it's not the on field. It's the off field. Uh, good old Michael Thomas. Yeah, he's a locker room cancer. So we'll see where he ends up. I mean, if he goes to Ole Miss, holy moly, that would be huge for that team. And I think Lane Kiffin will be the type of guy that's the hell with it. Bring him in. He's going to produce. He's going to play for a year, and then he's going to be gone. It won't be my problem anymore. I mean, if he went to Ole Miss, that'd be crazy. Just another mouth for Jackson Dart to have to throw to. I mean, that'd be chef's kiss, man. That'd be sweet. But on the side note, is Ohio State considered a big dog, or are they a little dog? I, I just—I mean, you know. asking me in my personal opinion, or no, no, no. I'm talking oh, like community. Like, like, do we fit in with that Georgia, uh, Texas, Bama, those big dogs, or are we two that two tiers down at the Ole Miss level? I, I just I've got to know. Uh, probably the big are, dogs. Probably. Are we in? So we're not in this Evan Stewart sweepstakes. Good. We don't need it. I don't think so. I don't, don't think want he wants to go live in Columbus, anyways. Yeah, he'd get lost in the bench on the bench chart, anyways. Depth chart, anyways. So it's okay. Yeah, I mean, if Zach Smith's back coaching, it just might. But we'll move uh, on to our twenty twenty five, way too early wide receiver and tight end rankings. I'll let you take your pick of which one and go ahead and reel them off for us. All right, so I'm going to start off with twenty five wide receivers. Uh, keep it real sweet, short, simple. I know I just dogged him, but I got Evan Stewart at one. I've got Ted Aroa McMillan at two, Travis Hunter at three, Barry on Brown at four, and Luther Burden at five. Well, I can just feel a lot of people just turned off the podcast, so I apologize for that. Luther Burden at five? Are you kidding me? Why? Travis Hunter at three? Oh, yeah. Travis oh, Hunter. My eyes are cross-eyed, and I, I love Travis Hunter. Oh. <laughs> Give me some Travis Hunter, especially next year, man. I've got to. Travis Hunter's got to be up there. It's going to be interesting to see how his year goes next year. I mean, we talked about it last week. Uh, Will Shepard from Vandy and Cordell Russell from TCU transferring in. I'm not sure the current status of Jimmy Horn Jr. and – Xavier Worthy or Xavier uh, Xavier Weaver. Yeah, I Weaver. couldn't remember his first name. So I'm not sure about them. And then, of course, the freshman that broke out for a few weeks, Amarion Miller. So we will see if he's still that target hog for Shadur or if it's going to be peppered around to a couple other capable receivers. I'm, I'm, sure, with the, I'm sure with the upgraded offensive line, it's, it's going to be peppered around a little bit better. He's going to actually have some time to pass the ball and make some reads. It's, it's not just going to be locked in on one or two guys. So, yeah, Colorado is going to be fun to watch once again and to follow the story and everything going on at that program. Getting some all players on the offensive line that won't get slammed to the ground every play. So, that's going to be great. Absolutely. But why Luther Burden at five? What don't you like about him? He got locked up by Ohio State, my friend. That, that had a big piece to do with it. He didn't score until three minutes left in the fourth quarter. The guy is not good. Ohio State's defensive backs are not that good. I'm not a friend. I'm not a f- necessarily a fan of Denzel Burke, and he locked his butt up. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think there was an injury or something going on. He wasn't no, really no, targeted no, no. either. I think he, he was locked up. Five targets. He was locked up, my friend. Yeah, he was kept in check until again, like three minutes left in the fourth quarter on a seven-yard slant. 
Okay, so you're saying he's clutch. Okay, that's a positive. Shows a up positive. at the right times. Oh, okay. Well, for I, me, well I, 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 uh, let me take a step back. I feel like Luther Burden is so up and down. I don't know if that's necessarily his fault. It might be the offense and the scheme that they work with him. But I feel like, you know, he'll go out there and drop 100-plus yards and, and be the guy that we all want him to be or think he is. And then he'll go two games in a row and be lucky to have 50 total yards. I just feel like if you're that good and that highly touted, you need to be able to put it together week after week. And I guess the same argument he made for Evan Stewart, but when he's hyper-targeted, he always produces. Luther Burden does not. Yeah. And like I said earlier, I got Ted Rowe McMillan, wide receiver one. Luther Burden, wide receiver two. Ah. Evan Stewart, wide receiver three. And then Barry on Brown and Antonio Williams to round out my top five. And then just trailing by a, a hair, Travis Hunter. We didn't mention guys like Dane Key, the other super sophomore at Kentucky, Matthew Golden, Isaiah Bond, or Juice Wells. This is yeah, a rather Matthew deep Golden class at the moment. Matthew Golden was right there outside of mine. He was number six. He hasn't had the most impressive career at Houston, but he is going to Texas with presumably Quinn Ewers next year. He could have a big resurgence. He was a five-star recruit as well. So he has the pedigree. Maybe it just needs to be unlocked. I, I think he does. And the reason for me personally I hold back some of these Alabama wide receivers is because they've been there for years already. I don't see them breaking out necessarily that quick. It's not like a Jamison Williams where it's a change of scenery type deal. I get it. Different quarterback. We both love Jalen Milrow. But I feel like Matthew Godin with this change of scenery, I mean, I feel like he's going to explode. That is my hope as well. It would be great to see. And tight ends. I love tight ends. This is a tight end podcast, a pro tight end podcast. We absolutely love them around here. The best position in football. Can I can I guess who your number one's going to be? I mean, it might be a shot at the door, but yeah, go ahead. Colston Loveland. Absolutely. The undisputed number one tight end. He's the total package in Michigan. I'm not saying it, but I've heard Travis Kelsey type comparisons, like Zach Ertz, that type of player that can do what you want in the receiving game, but he can also knock some heads around in the blocking game. And then Mason Taylor is my tight end, too, out of LSU. He caught the game-winning touchdown against, I believe it was Alabama last season as a true freshman. So he has had a pretty good career. Of course, LSU doesn't use their tight ends all that much in their current offensive scheme. But son of Jason Taylor, former Miami Dolphin, great linebacker. So he's got the pedigree. He's very athletic, good size for a tight end. Similar to Colston Loveland. Can do it all in my eyes. And we talked about him earlier, Oscar Delp. All potential, man. All potential. He could be a fantastic receiver. And I think he can be. He hasn't been so far, so maybe he really really isn't. But from what I saw from him in high school, he's pretty much a wide receiver trapped in a tight end's body. And then Jake Johnson, transferring from Texas A&M to go play with his big brother Max at UNC. Hopefully he makes a big splash next year. And then Holden stays. Former tight end at Notre Dame going down to Tennessee, I believe. He had a couple monster games for Notre Dame. I just like him. I mean, outside of them, there's not really too many names in the tight end landscape at the moment. Buddy, I'm pretty much in the same same group as you. Um, like you said, there's not a whole lot to pick from. Um, I've got Oscar Delp at one. Um, you can call it some 
some Colston Loveland hate, but I, I just I can't put Colston Loveland at one. I, I do love me some Loveland, but what I've seen Oscar Dope do on a football field, I just not in college, in high school. Granted, it's it's been a couple years, but and I'm still holding out hope, man. Um, number two, Colston Loveland for all the same reasons you said. Um, I absolutely love the kid though because he's a willing blocker. You know, usually you see these highly touted receiving tight ends. They love to receive the ball, but they don't like doing the dirty work. Colston Loveland will do the dirty work if you ask him. To me, he's got like a he's got George Kittle winning for sure somewhere. Um, number three, Mason Taylor. Again, same thing. I don't have to add on to it. Number four, Jake Johnson. You know, transfer whole nine yards. Number five. Julio Skinner. He was in consideration, but he's worse than Oscar Delp in terms of not doing a damn thing in his career, and he is in the transfer portal. But he has been compared to Kyle Pitts since high school, 6'5". I think he weighs 215, 220, maybe, soaking wet. Yeah. So he's a tall, slender guy. What was it? Cam Jordan from the Saints when they were talking about Kyle Pitts being drafted. He says a little light in the ass to play tight end. That's Jaleel Skinner. Yeah. I love him. I'm a big fan of him. I, hopefully we see something more from him. He lands in a pretty good spot for him. That's why I've got him at five, man. It's, to me, it's all based on potential. Um, if we're based off of what I've done, this list would be totally different. Oscar Dub would not be one. Jaleel Skinner would not be number five. This is this is all potential. Yeah, I don't even think we'd be able to make a top five with what would be with, done for me. Yeah. No, absolutely. We'd probably have to throw G. Scott in there or something. Oh, good Lord, please don't. I, he gives me nightmares, man. I absolutely loved him coming into OSU. I did, too, when he was a wide receiver. I loved him going to tight end. And then uh, from what he was, from what I've heard that he supposedly said was that was mostly coach's decision saying, hey, we're going to move you to tight end. And he went in with it 100%, gained a pretty good amount of weight, muscle to play the position, and then – Never really guys opportunity. No, that's that's the exact same thing I've I've heard. I, I obviously being an Ohio State fan, man, that's that's what I listen to. It's what I watch. It's what I read. Um, same thing. He was like, I'll do whatever the team needs me to do. I want to win. He went and played tight end because you know he's a bigger bodied guy, bigger as in height wise. Put on like 35, 40 pounds of muscle, and then like you said, I mean, he was never the tight end one. Never got the opportunity. Caged over. Switch back and forth between DN and tight end, and then he's been the guy since. I mean, it, it sucks. I mean, I love me some Cade Stover too. I feel like he's a a sleeper pick at tight end, anyways. But you know, I, I loved me some G Scott coming in. It's it's one of those like I feel like it's similar to like what Justin Hilliard was, but you know, defensively, oh. super highly touted five star coming in. She was supposed to take the college world by storm, and then never did. So, yeah, I'm I'm now thankful he did not go to Michigan. You love Justin Hilliard coming in just as much as I did, and then just never. Oh, he was a beast out of Cincinnati, man. He was amazing in high school. Just never, never took off. Nothing. I mean, to be fair, he did get riddled with injuries, but you know, he was supposed to be the best thing since sliced bread, man. And it never took off. Yeah, unfortunately not. But we will jump in to a little bit of a preview of the New Year's Day games on Monday. Uh, first up, you got a little bit of a one-hour coffee break from noon to one before the big games get started. You get Wisconsin and LSU. 
who knows who's playing for LSU. Even if they have no Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, or Brian Thomas, they're still going to win convincingly in my mind. Right now they're favored by 10. No matter who's on the field for LSU, they're going to cover. It's Wisconsin. To to me, this matchup made no sense at all, period. You know, LSU to me is a – Really, they're a top ten team. I know they're not ranked top ten, but they're when they're clicking on all cylinders, they can beat anybody. Wisconsin, they're clicking on all cylinders. They'd be lucky to beat Penn State. Yeah, Braylon Allen probably won't play. Uh, you know, I haven't heard anything, so who knows about that? If they don't want Braylon Allen, they have nothing. No, no, absolutely. I don't like any of their quarterbacks, you know, except for Evers, but he's what QB five at this point now. Um, yeah, might as well be. On their depth chart, I mean, obviously that's a joke, but I just, yeah, again, this game I think is a joke. It makes no sense. This is LSU all day, every day. I don't care who's playing. We'll get into the lesser game of the one o'clock window. Iowa and Tennessee. Uh, I think Tennessee's going to dog walk them. Iowa's just not good on offense. You know, no, Eric Hall is still their leading receiver at a whopping 299 yards, and he hasn't played since like week four, week five, something in that range. Uh, Joe Milton's not playing for Tennessee. He opted out. He is going to the Senior Bowl in NFL draft, so great for him. So we get to see our boy, Nico Amalamaliba, be the starter and go out there and show us what he's got. I am extremely excited. My eyes will be glued to this game for the most part when Tennessee's on offense. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Can't you, wait. man. I'd to be to be honest, uh, Nico Lamalamaliva, I think this will be a great test for him early on in his career. You know, Iowa's defense is is pretty good, but like you said, their offense. I mean, they're they're not going to score ten points. Tennessee all day. I just I'm excited to see what Nico and this Tennessee offense does against a decent Iowa defense. Iowa on offense. I'm yeah. I'm changing. I'm I'm doing anything but watching this game. Yeah, I have to cover my eyes when they're out there. That's not going to be pretty. I mean, right now, Tennessee's favored by six, according to ESPN bet, and the over-under is 35 and a half. So. I think it's going to be like 21 to three. I'm hoping Tennessee explodes, and Nico just absolutely goes out there and does what Joe Milton did last year in the bowl game, just puts on a hell of a show and impresses everyone. He is my quarterback three in the 26th class currently. Who's your top two? Top two, Jackson Arnold, and I can't quit him, man, Dante Moore. That's who I figured. I can't put Arch up there. Jaden Rashada is quarterback four. He played decently for Arizona State before being injured. Aiden Childs. I just want to – he's number five. Yeah. He, he could easily be higher because I, I love Aiden Childs. You know that. He's looked damn good when he did play, but – We'll see how he does in Michigan State. He he's one of them guys, and maybe it's a little bit of a cop out, but like I feel like he's got a super low floor, but he's probably got the highest ceiling amongst any of these guys. Ah, screw it. I'll update my rankings now. I got Aiden Child to QB two. Knock Dante Moore to quarterback four. There you go. I was hoping that was it. I wouldn't surprise with the Dante Moore take because I still believe in Dante Moore as well. I think he's but, the most talented quarterback, has the most potential. But yeah. he does need to develop. Yeah, we won't see him more than likely until 2025 season. Yeah, his third year, third year. And mm-hmm. I'm with you. I think Dante Moore has the highest and cleanest ceiling. You know, he to me looks like a guy that could easily be the best 
of any of these guys in pro football. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have uh, another true freshman. I'm hoping we see Cameron Selden converted from wide receiver to running back this year. Jalen Wright has declared for the draft for Tennessee. I'm again, not sure if he is playing or if he's not playing. Hopefully for Cam Selden, he's not. We get to see a lot of him and Nico together. That would be fun. See some Nathan Leacock out there, wide receiver. See the freshman trio together. See what they'll be cooking with for the next couple years, yeah. It's going to be fun to watch their offense. I cannot wait. And then this game, I think, is going to shock people. Liberty and Oregon. Liberty is undefeated. They have a fantastic quarterback, Caden Salter, who was originally at Tennessee. Now he is at Liberty. 31 touchdowns, 5 picks, 2,700 pass yards. Monster season for the – believe he's technically a sophomore out of, out of Cedar Hill, Texas. He also has 12 rushing touchdowns on the year. He's going to have fun against that Oregon defense. I don't believe Bo Nix is playing. It's not likely Torrey Franklin is playing, and I don't think Bucky Irvin will play. As you know, They're all three going to the draft. They've already declared – well, Bo Nix was kicked out of college finally, but the other two declared. Bo Nix was kicked out of college. Yeah, I'm. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at the lines for this game, and Oregon at 17. I feel like is a lot without, and I'm with you on those three guys. Obviously, Bo's not playing. Bucky and Troy, I think, don't play. Um, I, I think Liberty shocks the world and wins this one, man. Yeah, that's that's about where I'm at. As I said, 17. That's a lot. If Oregon does win, I think it's close. Um, I'm I'm with you. I think Liberty, man. I think again, like you know, this is the Appalachian State Michigan game all over again. Oh no chance, no chance in winning, but Liberty pulls it off. <laughs> We're gonna turn it off. I mean, they have a very, very good running back. He's only five seven, two hundred ten pounds, so not looking at NFL aspects, but thirteen hundred yards, sixteen tutties on the ground for Quentin Cooley, former Wake Forest running back, transferred into Liberty this year. And absolutely has killed it for the Flames. They also have a leading receiver who has almost a thousand yards. CJ Daniels is a junior, redshirt junior, 988 receiving yards, 10 receiving touchdowns. They have a lot of firepower on that offense. Hugh Freeze left this program very, very well off for the future. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a better game than most expect. Again, I think Liberty takes the cake. I'm excited to see Jurion Dickey, former five-star, Des Bryant compared comparison by 24-7 sports wide receiver. He's been nicked up with some injuries this year, and he says he is 100%. So we should see a heavy dose of Jurion Dickey. At least maybe, I hope so. Maybe he has some Marvin Harrison you know, numbers in the last game of the season. Um, I've been pretty high on Jurion Dickey, so I'm holding out hope on him. Uh, who who would be Oregon's starting quarterback? Because I feel like I don't even know. I assume Ty Thompson, unless he is going to hit the portal between now and tomorrow. I mean, he put out some like cryptic post that made people believe he'd be heading to the portal. He was a former four-star, maybe five-star, pretty sure four-star recruit. So I would imagine it would be him. But no matter who it is, it's not Bo Nick, so it to me, it doesn't really matter. Right. No, I'm with you. I think Liberty pulls it off too, man. I don't, and even if they didn't, I don't think it's 17 points. I'm going to put both of those bets in. Yeah, I did that earlier. Got on with 
Kawhi was nice and early. We'll move on to the granddaddy in the mall, the Rose Bowl game. Michigan, Alabama. Michigan favored by two now on ESPN bet. This is going to be a slobber knocker, man. It's going to be a defensive slugfest. It's going to be a classic Michigan-Alabama type of football game. Of course, Michigan's going to win, obviously. I can't say they're not. But it's going to be it's going to be a tight, close game. Each and every quarter, each and every play is going to matter. It's going to be a game of inches, like that good old saying. But Michigan, I believe they're going to take it. Maybe by three, seven. I don't think it's going to be double digits either way. It's going to be a game of the 20s, maybe the high teens. I'm going to pull the old on this one. I'm going to pull the old Pat McAfee on you. Oh, no. See, that's what you get. Now you're frozen and your internet's messing up. It's just what you get from running your mouth now, buddy. Nope, still not with me. Oh, no. Uh, apologies for that. Derek's Wi-Fi decided it's just going to randomly turn off on him during this very, very important time. Yeah, but- that's what I get for talking crap about Michigan. Um, but Pat McAfee, I'm going to say Michigan loses by seven. I think it's going to be a TCU master class from last year for Alabama. They're going to come out and, and shock the world, go up early 42 to seven, and then Michigan's going to crawl their way back in and lose in the end. I'm just kidding. Michigan uh, wins. This this is this is easy. I feel like uh, you know Michigan. This is Michigan's year. As much as it pains me to say it, I think Michigan wins this. It's going to be a close game for the same reasons you said. It's going to be a, a dogfight, man. It's going to be whoever controls the line of scrimmage, and I feel like it's going to be Michigan. The only the X factor in this game is Jalen Milrow. If he gouges you guys and gets like 200 yards rushing, I don't think you win. If you can keep him below 150 yards on the ground, I think you can pull it out. You're going to have to spy him without a doubt, but it's it's going to be tough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you uh, see what Jim Harbaugh said? I did not. A couple days ago? Oh, man, yeah. I love it. I love Jim Harbaugh. Hopefully he stays around forever. But where to go? Maybe it was Kirby Smart, but I thought it was Jim Harbaugh. Oh, no, it was Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Talking about Jalen Milrow. Kirby Smart said Jalen Milrow is a bigger physical version of Lamar Jackson. Jim Harbaugh said earlier this week, Jalen Milrow is a real polished Alex Orgy. Now, you know who he is, but a lot of people may not. Alex Orgy is the backup quarterback at Michigan. Physical specimen. <laughs> orgy in the end zone. Yeah, Gus Johnson, the greatest call ever. There's an orgy in the end zone when he scored a touchdown last year. I'll never forget that for the rest of my I life. I love yeah, Gus Jim Harbaugh just. Said Jalen Milrow is a, a real polished Alex Orgy. So I'm not sure I mean, if I'm dumb or smart, but either way, that's Jim Harbaugh for you, baby. I love it. No, I mean it's you gotta take it. You know, it's 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 all fun, it's banter. You know, you, you'll let the game speak for itself. Um, if I was Alex or- Orgy, I would be excited if that's my ceiling. Because I think Jalen Milrow hasn't hit a ceiling. You know, we we've talked Jalen Milrow up a lot. I could see a huge rise out of him next year. So, I, yeah, depending I, on I, how I like you want to take that comment, it's either a knock on Jayla Milrow or high praise for his backup quarterback. Yeah, I, I think it's a knock on Milrow regardless. 
Um, I don't, I mean, it just depends on what side of the fence you're sitting on, I guess. But I, I think, I think this is a lot closer game. I think this is as close to the game as we anticipate it to be. Absolutely. We'll move on to the late night college football playoff game, Texas and Washington down there in Louisiana. The yeah, I believe it's Louisiana. Yeah. Yep, yep, there it is, Louisiana. Uh, Texas right now is favored by four with an over-under sitting at 63.5. No way they hit the over on 63.5. I think Texas's defense is just too good, too good for that. Of course, no Jonathan Brooks tearing his ACL, but they do have Cedric Baxter and Jadon Blue in the backfield for Texas. Xavier Worthy should be a little bit more healthier with all the time in between the last game. It's going to be fun, but I think Texas is, controls this game, and it's going to be the Texas way, the Sarkeesian way. I don't think Washington's going to be able to crack that defensive code. We've seen Washington win a multitude of different ways, lots of points, little points, sloppy games. So I'm not counting out Washington because they can win a game any which way you can think of so far this season. I just think Texas is that damn good. I have Texas, and I have Texas by more than four. Um, I think I think sixty three and a half, like you said, is is a lot. Uh, the only way I see that being broken is if Washington wins this game. I don't see that happening, and the only way Washington does that is if they establish a running game. Um, what's his name? Is it Dylan Johnson? Is that his name? I, I think he's going to have to go all for Washington to have a game. You know, they've got the three-headed monster wide receiver, um, Roma Dunsey, Jalen Polk. Is it, uh, is it McMillan? Is it a McMillan? Too? Yeah, Jalen McMillan. He is back and fully healthy. He's going to make a difference. Uh, they're all going to have – I mean, Washington's going to have to play a perfect game to have a chance to beat Texas. Texas could play sloppy and still win this game. I, I, I've got Texas. All and right. All so we have said, Texas, Michigan, or – are we still, which, of course, you know, we'll talk about this again next week, but are we still think Michigan is the winner on your side? Yeah. Yeah, I I think that Michigan's toughest game is this week. If if Michigan can yeah. be – I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of the same thing. Like, i got to throw Ohio State in there. But when they won it in 2014, you know, they played Bama, who was number one Ohio State was four. When Ohio State beat Bama, it was like, I don't care if we play Florida State or Oregon. We've got it if we beat Bama. Yeah, you know, I feel the same way with this. This for, with Michigan, Bama to me is the toughest for these teams outside of Michigan. If Michigan wins, I'm not saying it's going to be a cakewalk if they play Texas or Washington, but Bama is the toughest competition for Michigan in this Final Four. It's going to be a fun New Year's Day. I cannot wait for it. Five forty-five our time. It really begins with the granddaddy of the Rose Bowl. But I'm just ready for a Big Ten team to win it all again, man. I'm just. I am getting sick and tired of the Big Ten slander. I, I, I saw something the other day, and it's like, you know, the last 20 years that the SEC has won 14 championships. I'm just – I'm ready for the – I want the SEC to crumble. Man, you're dreaming big. It's not going to happen. I know. They're not the Pac-12, but... Smart. No, I, I get it. But either way, it's going to be a fun playoff, arguably the – most anticipated and competitive playoff we've ever had in this era of the four teams. So that'll do it for us. Give us all a follow on Twitter 
at Gump7285, the underscore, the underscore Cook93 at Destination Debbie, and at Gridiron underscore FS. Check out my latest Debbie Buys article over on DestinationDebbie.com that just dropped yesterday, Friday. Uh, got some names in there we talked about on this show, some pretty big names. It's an early look at some 2025 buys for me. So looking at Jayla Milrow, Barion Brown, Antonio Williams. We talked about all three on this show. So check out the article and why I am buying them this early. And yeah, that's all we got. We'll be back next week. Some 2026 rankings, some more transfer portal talk, a recap of the games, and a preview of the good old national championship that we all can't wait to get to. So appreciate you guys tuning in and see you again on the next one. See you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>